again. God bless you and thank you, musicians and choir, for just leading us in worship every single Sunday. Jesus Christ is awesome. He's awesome because he is who he said he is. He's not just some religious guy who started some new religion 2,000 years ago. He is who he said he is. And we're going to see from the word of God that he exactly is certain and true. He's Messiah, the son of God, the savior of the world. He did what he said he was going to do. He died on the cross. He paid the price for my sins, your sins, the sins of the world. He rose from the dead. He's got the power he said he had because he truly is the son of God. He rose from the dead. And it's true what he says, that he's the way, the truth, and the life that no man, nobody can come to the father except through him, through faith and trust in him. And so we've been looking at the book of Luke, studying through the book of Luke, a great book all about showing us the evidence that Jesus Christ is certain and true. That's why Luke wrote this letter, to show the evidence that what Jesus says, his claims, who he is, are certain and true. And so we've been looking at that first couple chapters here in Luke. And today what I want us to look at is what Jesus came to do. I mean, chapter 3, we saw how Luke was baptized by John the Baptist, and that's when he publicly declared himself to be the son of God. And we saw his public ministry start there in chapter three, verse 22, where it says a voice from heaven came out and said, you are my son whom I love with you. I am well pleased. The first couple chapters of Luke is all about showing evidence that Jesus Christ is truly the Messiah. He's certain and he's true. We saw in chapter four where Satan tempts Jesus. And the main issue again is who is Jesus, the identity of Jesus. I mean, Satan goes up to Jesus after he's been not eating. He's been fasting and praying for 40 days in the wilderness. So he's very weak physically. And that's when Satan hits. Satan loves to hit when we're weak. And he hits him by saying, if you are the son of God, see, he's getting, he's, he's questioning Jesus' identity, even though he knows better. He says, if you are the son of God, prove it. Put God to the test. Turn these stones into bread. Do this, do that. If you really are the son of God, make God prove it. And so we see here again, the identity of Christ is being questioned. But we saw last week how Jesus survived those temptations. He was tempted, but never sinned, you know? And so we're tempted to sin. is not the temptation. The sin is when you and I give into it. Jesus never sinned, never gave into temptation, but he knows what temptation feels like. And he was obedient to the word of God, very obedient. Every time Satan came at him with something, he responded back with, but this is what God says. Doesn't matter how I feel, if I'm hungry or this and that, this is what God says. And so we saw how Satan works, how he attacks us at the opportune moments when we're weak. We saw how Satan works, how he mixes a little bit of truth with, with lies. We saw how Satan works, how he promises pleasure. And there's pleasure, there's, sin, there's pleasure in sin or we wouldn't do it. He promises pleasure of sin without telling you the consequences of that decision, of that action, which is going to be pain. And not just for a little bit, but could be for a lifetime. And so we, we see how, how to deal with temptation from Jesus, how to be strengthened by spending time alone with God. It's so important every day that we spend time with God and we read his word, let God talk to us. We talk to God from our heart. That's prayer. We spend time with God, that we ask him to fill us with his spirit, his power, and how we need to be armed with God's truth. Every time Satan came at him, he came back at Satan with what God's truth. So we got to know the word of God. That's key to everything in life. Exactly one year ago today, I shared with our church family a vision, which is like direction. That I believe God's laid on my heart as your pastor for the next seven years. We called it Vision 2030. 
If you don't have one of these copies, they're in the foyer there. They're in our welcome center. I want you to have one because I hope you're praying over this. But this is something I shared with you exactly a, a year ago today. Well, God laid in my heart for the next seven years, taking us to 2030. And the very first thing, how I thought God wants to build us, he's put us in a great spot on this great corner. He's bringing hurting lost people from all over the world that we got to build for strength first. We got to get stronger. And the first area we got to concentrate on is getting stronger. And we do that by the word of God. And so we talked about how we want to build stronger small group Bible studies, a.k.a. Sunday school, Bible studies, life groups. We're now calling them connect groups because that's where you get connected to God's word. That's where you get connected to God's people. We've been putting a lot of emphasis on disciples, making disciples, uh, getting small group with three or four men with a man leader and three or four ladies with a lady and committing for a year to get together, stay together and meet weekly and hold each other accountable and, and go through the word of God together. We started those D groups, we call them, the discipleship groups last Wednesday. We want to build Christian leaders. We need more leaders, Christian leaders in the, in the public arena and church. So we have equipped classes that we're starting to actually start tonight. We've been praying about this. This is our focus, our priority. About six months ago, God helped us bring on a discipleship pastor, Pastor AJ and his wife Yachty and her two boys. And he's been helping us tackle this area. And, and we've been very thankful and grateful for what he's doing. Uh, building for health. I talked about a year ago how we need to get healthy. Uh, we got to remove the stigma of a mental illness in the church. We got to talk about it and get help. And so we were able to start about six months ago to a Christian ministry, partnering with foundations, counseling. And they meet over here in D building now. We have four to five certified Christian counselors that are here full time. That was something we did, we wanted to do. Build for Life was the third area. You heard me, if you were here last Sunday, talk about that, the importance of that, building a one-stop shop for life to include all these things, a new pregnancy center and a human trafficking ministry, foster care ministry, adoption ministry, Ministry, single moms ministry and ministry to fathers, all that kind of stuff. Build for missions, build for worship. That was a year ago. So it was, we got six years to go, but we, God's got us on a great path. The first two we've really have tackled and going after, but it's the word. We got to bring that up because the word of God is what makes us strong. Take this sheet out. You see it in here. It says discipleship hub. This is one of the ways our process now, our strategy to help us build up stronger in the word of God. That's how we can fight off Satan. That's how we can know what God's called us to do. And we're doing A, B, C, D, E. A, we want you, as you come in, we want you to come in and, and adoration gathering. That's this, worship, where we adore God, we worship God. That's where most people come into a church first anyway, is in worship, public worship, which is extremely important. And we hope for those who are lost, and I hope there's lost people here today, hurting people here today. Once you get found spiritually, you need to understand what it means now to be a believer. And Jesus Christ, what's it mean now to grow as a Christian? Once you become a Christian, it's not over. The journey just begins, and now we need to grow as a Christian. We have a beginnings classes to help you understand how to pray, read the Word. Also, you need baptism, like Jesus commands us. We have baptism class. C, we want to move you to a connect group. That's AKA Sunday school, you know, or a life group on Sunday mornings. Uh, we have most of them meet, a lot of them, most of them are meeting right now during this hour at 9.30. All our preschool children, teenagers, young adults, senior adults. And then we have Sunday school that some of you go to, Bible study, connect groups at 11 o'clock. We even have one at 8.30 that meets here. And we have some that meet during the week too. So we want to get you in a group like that, a, a big group of, of people studying the word of God. Then we want to move you. Now C plus are like care groups. And we have a bunch of those too, or small groups that meet for a specific purpose for a certain length of time, like grief share, post-abortion counseling, um, next-gen moms, 
And we want to plug people into those that have a specific needs for a certain time, a season of their life. But then we want to move your D into a discipleship group uh, where you get with just men with men and women with women, a small group of accountability partners where you meet weekly. And, and we started those a week ago. And we have a lot of them on Wednesday nights, but they happen throughout the week, different nights of the week. Some are happening in people's homes. And then E is equip. We want to equip you and help you to be the godly leader that you need to be. And, and a lot of these courses are starting tonight. Flip this over and you see, these are some of the courses we're offering tonight. Man, so many of them. And we offer them each semester and different ones. And you can pick and choose parenting class tonight, marriage class tonight, Financial Peace University. And look at that. That's from Ramsey, Dave Ramsey, the first 10 families that come, your material is free. It's been donated to you. It's like 80 bucks to do this, but it's free for the first 10 families. Help you biblically get on track financially. Bible teaching, uh, uh, how to teach the word of God. This is a new class. You know, we teach English as a second language here on Sunday nights. We've been doing it for years in our community for free. Well, our, our community has changed, and you know that. And so now, tonight, we're starting a Spanish class. And I'm excited about that. I'm, I'm going to that class. I, I've been wanting to learn some Spanish. And, you know, but we're going to learn Spanish with a mission. We're teaching people Spanish like me so I can share the gospel with people in Spanish. And 70% of the people around this church are Hispanic. And so it's important for us. That's our mission field. That's tonight. We got a, a great Bible course being taught to you and your Bible. If you want to go deeper and understand the Bible more effectively, we got a, a great leadership course, Jesus on Leadership. I've taken that many times over my life. Very practical course on how to lead wherever you're at in your home and your business the way that Jesus led. So these are the courses we're offering tonight to help equip us, train us up to be who God wants us to be. It's not too late. You can come tonight in the foyer after words to be somebody there who can help you with that if you got more questions. I say all that to say a year ago I shared this with you and I believe God laid on my heart for us to get stronger through the word of God and, and you see the plan and the strategy that we have in place because Jesus Christ is certain and true. Okay well then what did he come to do? That's where Luke goes into now. In this section, we're starting chapter 4 still, but verses 14 through 44, we kind of see this job description of Jesus. The passage we're going to look at today unveils Jesus' mission and his purpose. We kind of see a snapshot of his ministry. We see his teachings. We see the miracles. We see how he interacts with people. And we see the importance of recognizing Jesus Christ for being the Son of God, the Messiah, and surrendering our lives to him. Man, it's so important. So, so I want us to see what Jesus came to do. And so we're going to start with verse 14, chapter 4. If you're able, would you please stand with me out of reverence and honor for God's holy word. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. And news about him spread throughout the whole countryside. He taught in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. And he stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found a place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. 
the eyes of everyone in the synagogue was fastened on him. And he began by saying to them, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your ministry. I'm thinking, what? All right, you may be seated. I'm thinking, they're thinking, what? Can, you, can, you can't imagine what that must have been like. He's standing in front of all these religious scholars and priests and people in church, and they hand him Isaiah 61. He finds a specific place. He reads it, talking about the coming Messiah. He says, man, I'm it. I'm it. Man, it's, just, it's amazing. It's amazing. So, so we see that Jesus is really popular now, right? He just came out of the desert being tempted by Satan. He's very popular, it says there in verse 14, because news now is spread about him. In verse 15, everybody praising him, but it's not the praise that goes with true worship. It's worldly popularity. He's now a celebrity in the eyes of the people. They really don't know who he really is. They don't really know what he came to do. He's a hero now, but you're going to see real quick, he becomes a zero in just a moment. I mean, that's our world. Verse 16, he goes home, and what does he do? He goes to church. Look at that. He goes to church, as was his custom. We live in a day where many Christians are saying, you don't need to be part of the church. And if you do, kind of just go every once in a while. You don't have to go all the time. You don't have to go pretty regular. You just go whenever you feel like it. A lot of people today are saying that the church has too many hypocrites in it and too many problems. Don't I know it? I'm the pastor of the church. I know that. I've been in church my entire life. But that's not why I go. That's not why you should go either, because of people. You go to worship God and honor him, and Jesus tells us to, and it's the bride of Christ. And there's something about being together with God's people, worshiping together, singing together, studying God's word together, something special. But yeah, the church has problems. Like I said, many times, we're, we're not a country club for saints. You know, the church is a hospital for sinners. And so when you think about, we got issues, the synagogue of Jesus' day was in worse shape than the churches are of our day, and we see Jesus attended on a regular basis. Now, if Jesus went to church every week, shouldn't a Christian go to church every week? How are we going to be like Jesus if we customarily avoid the things that Jesus customarily attended and did? Now, you think about that. So we see Jesus Christ. He's in his community now where he grew up. He's in a synagogue among the religious folks. He's, in, he's among the people that should have known him the best because this is the town he grew up in, and he went to church every week. And this is where Jesus preaches his first recorded public sermon in Luke's gospel. And it's a very dramatic scene. He stood to read, which is very common. They hand him a scroll of Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, the book from the Old Testament, and he keeps scrolling until he finds a certain place where it is written. And then he reads, Isaiah 61 it prophesizes the coming Messiah who will bring salvation, to bring the salvation of God. And Isaiah the prophet says that the Messiah, he's anointed to preach the words and the promises of God. And so I want, to, I want us to look at four things that I see. These are just general things that Jesus came to do. First thing he came to do is proclaim the good news. We see that in verses 17 through 21. He comes to proclaim the good news. He declares his mission by quoting Isaiah 61, proclaiming freedom to the prisoners, recovering a sight to the blind, freedom to the oppressed. Bottom line is he came to bring the good news of salvation and liberation to all who would hear and then believe. And please understand that word believe in the Bible is written in Greek, means to trust in, to rely upon. It's not just, oh, I in my head believe Jesus existed. Satan and the demons know that. 
It's to trust in him, put their faith and trust in him as their Lord and Savior. He came first to preach good news to the poor. This word poor here means humility, hopelessness of spirit. When you're poor in spirit, it means you realize on your own that we have nothing to offer God. The message paraphrase says this, that section like this, you were blessed when you're at the end of your rope. See, you and I will never be happy until you and I realize that we are spiritually empty on our own and that we need God in our life. You know, that's the beginning of becoming a Christian. Salvation begins the moment you realize that you are a sinner and that you have offended a holy, righteous God. Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It's when you realize that you're deserving of spiritually death because of your sin and rebellion towards God and that you are hopeless to save yourself. And all of a sudden, God gets a hold of your heart. Bible says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And Romans 6, 23 says that the wages of sin is death, spiritual death, separation from God. That should lead us to cry out for forgiveness. And that's why Jesus came, the message of Jesus, he came to be that deliverer for us. Jesus and Jesus Christ alone can deliver us from our sins. He paid the price. He shed his blood. He died to pay the price, the penalty of our sin. Romans 5, 8 says, God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus died on the cross for our sins in our place so that we could spend eternity with him in heaven. Romans 6, 23, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. So he came to, pro to preach good news to the poor. He came to, he said, he sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. Freedom from the penalty of sin. How we can be forgiven and we can be free from the penalty of sin, spiritual death and separation from God. He came to give us, to set us free so we can be free from Satan's control. We don't have to do what Satan's trying to get us to do. We don't have to sin. You know, we have that sinful nature, but God gives us the power to fight it off, gives us the strength to say no, to flee, to walk, or, to walk away. And when we do sin, God gives us the grace to ask forgiveness, and he helps us to turn from that. Many of you today, you're in bondage. You're not free. You're captive to your own desires. It could be alcohol, drugs, sex, pornography. It could be gambling. It could be bitterness, anger, fear, eating disorders. Jesus came to set us free. He came to set you free. In John 8, 36, it says, when the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. So no matter what prison Satan has tried to lock you in, Jesus Christ has the key. And Jesus Christ wants to set you free today. He wants you to be free to be who God made you to be. He wants you to be, do what God's called you to do. Jesus also come to help bring recovery of sight for the blind. Jesus came to help us see. To help us see who we are, we are sinners in rebellion towards God, but he also came to help us see who God is, how God is loving and kind, how God wants to forgive us, and how God wants us in our family, his family, and how God wants us to spend eternity with him in heaven. He came to bring sight for the blind, for us. He came to shine the light in the darkness so that people can see the light and see the way to go. John Newton, was a, uh, he was a, a slave trader many years ago. He became a believer in Jesus Christ, and then he stopped being a part of the slave trade, 
and he started to fight against the slave trade. And later in his life, before death, he wrote that great hymn that we sing many times, Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. That's what Jesus comes to do. That's what he came to do. He came also to release the oppressed, it says here. King James Version says he came to set at liberty them that are bruised. That word oppressed means bruised or broken. And many of us, if we're honest, we're bruised and we're broken and we're battered. Relationships, you've been hurt in relationships, you've been deceived, you've been abused, you got bad memories from your past. I think many of us here today might feel bruised, oppressed, broken down, beat down, used up, pushed aside, casted out, abused and forgotten. And if that's you, listen to the good news. Jesus came for you. The Bible says he came to bind up and heal the brokenhearted. God says the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. When our spirit is crushed and our heart is broken, that's when God comes near. That's when Jesus comes near and he came to free us. He came so we could recover, to release us. Jesus wants to be your refuge, your stronghold, your shelter, but you gotta come to him. Also, he's come to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, it says. That's a reference in, of, in the Old Testament of the year of Jubilee, which is found in Leviticus chapter 25. And this year, the Lord's favor takes place every 15 years. Every 15 years in the Old Testament among God's people, all the slaves were set free. All the debts were forgiven. It was a time every 15 years for new beginnings and starting over. And so when Jesus says he's the fulfillment of this promise spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, he's saying, Jesus is saying, I came to be the deliverer, the Messiah, the healer, to set you free, to help you see, and to give you a new beginning. And then in one verse, verse 21, he explained the text, a one-sentence sermon that they and us should never forget. He says, today, He's saying today, not in Israel's time, not back in the Old Testament time. He said, but in your time, on this very day, today, in your hearing, that means he's saying right here in front of you with my words, and I'm in per person, this is not secondhand hearsay. Today, in your hearing, this scripture, what he just read, the announcements of God's salvation promise long ago, that promise is fulfilled. That means it's completed, it's brought to path, has come true. In this one sentence, Jesus proclaims that he is the Messiah who brings this great salvation that was promised to Israel, God's people. That's what he's come to do. But he's also come to bring God's salvation to all nations. And we see that in verses 22 on. Now, the people enjoyed the sermon, but they didn't see the Savior. And we see that in verse 22. All spoke well of him. They were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. But isn't this Joseph's son, they asked? They enjoyed the sermon, but didn't see the Savior. All they saw was Joseph's son. They were familiar with Jesus and yet did not recognize that Jesus is their Messiah. What about you? If you've been coming to church for a lot of parts of your life, maybe you're familiar with the Bible. You're familiar with Jesus. But do you really know him personally as your savior? What's neat about Jesus is we see as you read on, Jesus sees them even though they don't see him. And he knows that they want him to prove himself by working miracles right there. They're, they, they're putting 
They want Jesus to put Israel first and do miracles. And it shows you the people's pride and unbelief. Kind of like Satan was saying to him, prove yourself if you're son of God. Now they're in the synagogue among God's people. They're saying, prove yourself if you really are who you say you are. Because we think you're just Joseph's son. And so Jesus goes on and he tells them in verses 24 through 27, he talks about prophet Elijah. And who did he go to? A widow in Sidon. And then he talks about Elisha, the prophet, who went to heal a leper in Syria. And he does it on purpose because Sidon and Syria were Gentile lands. They were Gentile people. And he's reminding them that Israel rejected the prophets. And it's the Gentiles, the non-Jewish folks, who received them. And he's saying that God's salvation is for all nations. It's for everybody who received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And he went from being a hero to a zero. Verse 28, all the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up, drove him out of town, took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him down the cliff. But he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. This is in church. Are you like the people in this synagogue? Are you one of those who missed Jesus? Perhaps you were raised in the church, just like they, these people were raised in the synagogue. You know the language of the church, you know the culture of the church, you know the rituals, you know the routine of the church. You know religion, but you don't know Jesus. Maybe you assume that you're in God's family, but you have no saving knowledge of Jesus. I mean, Jesus pointed to them and he's pointing to us and saying that you and I can miss God's salvation if we fail to recognize who Jesus is. Maybe you've not thought of Jesus being necessary for your salvation and forgiveness because you're a good person. You do good things. And you go to church all the time. You're a good guy, a good person. You're okay. But see, Christianity is not about making people okay people better. It's about making dead people alive. Maybe you've not thought of him as the one who provides you righteousness, righteousness that makes you righteous in the eyes of God. Maybe you haven't thought of, of him as the one he paid the price for your sins. If not, today is the day of salvation. Today is his salvation is being preached in your hearing just as it was back then. I want to challenge you, encourage you, believe on Jesus Christ. Trust him, repent of your sin. Come to him in faith and you will be saved. Don't miss the salvation that he brings. Jesus Christ can bring salvation to everyone, no matter who you are, where you've been, or what you've done. We also see Jesus came to bring healing and deliverance. And we see that from verses 31 to 41. Following people's rejection, there in Nazareth of Jesus, he moves down to Capernaum. And he reveals something more about what it means to be the son of God. Jesus repeatedly demonstrates that he is the unique son of God, which means he also has authority over all things. And he gives us three areas here. We see authority in his teaching. They were amazed at his teaching because his message had authority. They'd never seen or heard a teacher like Jesus who had such authority in his teaching. He showed his authority over demons. Uh, we see that in verses 35 and 36. And in I want to look at, notice 33. In the synagogue, there was a man possessed by a demon, an evil spirit. In church, there was a person possessed by the devil. A couple things about this. Satan loves to oppose God's work right in God's house. I mean, he loves to give right to the throat of it, right to his people. I mean, he, he loves to oppose God's work right in God's house. 
Now, let me say this. If you're a Christian, a follower of Jesus Christ, you have the Holy Spirit of God in your life, you cannot be possessed by evil spirits or demons. You got the Spirit of God in your life. But saying that, you can still be oppressed, tempted, pressured by Satan. He's trying to bother you, tempt you, just like he did, Satan did Jesus there in the wilderness. But what we read here in verses 35 and 36, be quiet, Jesus said sternly, come out of him. Then the demons threw the man down before them all and came out without injuring him. All the people were amazed and said to each other, Who is, what is this teaching? With authority and power, he gives orders to evil spirits and they come out. He's showing his authority to demons. We also see he has authority over physical existence. And what I mean by that, he shows his authority by healing people through his healing ministry. He heals Peter's mother-in-law. And then in verse 38 and 40, it says, various kinds of sickness came to him and he healed them. He didn't turn people away. He didn't sell tickets. He didn't ask for an offering. He personally laid hands on people and prayed for them and healed him. I want you to notice something here. Think about the people in the synagogue, people in the church, and the demons, the demon that possessed that man in church. Think about those two people, those two groups of people. Who understood the truth about Jesus? It was the demons. Think about it. They're the ones, verse 34, they said, I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Verse 41, demons came out of the people shouting, you are the Son of God. They knew who he was. They didn't have a relationship with Jesus, but they knew who he was. Isn't that ironic? And look at verse 34. They even say, one of the demons says, what do you want to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? They knew who he was. They knew who they were. And they knew that their days were numbered. And one day he was going to finally settle the score, call the shots, and they were going to be judged. You know, the day of sinful man's rebellion are numbered too. You're either going to end your rebellion towards God by repenting of your sins now and believing and trusting in Jesus Christ, or Jesus Christ is going to end your rebellion towards God by demonstrating his holiness and your judgment. And I want to say, please don't sit here in your sin. Get right with God through Jesus Christ so that you won't be destroyed. You won't be condemned in your sin and rebellion. The wise person repents of their sin, turns away from their sins and turns to Jesus. The wise person turns to Jesus. The wise, the wise person recognizes that Jesus Christ truly is the son of God. They recognize Jesus and they come to him while they can still be saved because none of us are promised of tomorrow. So I plead with you before it's too late, before you die in your sin and face the Lord's judgment to repent of your sins and believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. He also came bringing the kingdom of God. We see that in these last two verses. At daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. He's always doing that. That was the habit of Christ. He went out on his own to pray and be with his father. He needed it. We need it much more. The people were looking for him, and when they came to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving them. But he said, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also, because that is why I was sent. And he kept on preaching in the synagogues of Judea. The message that Jesus preached was about God's kingdom. He called it the good news of the kingdom of God. And the good news is that anybody can be saved from this dark, disobedient generation by placing your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as the leader of your life, as the forgiver of your sins. 
Those who believe and trust in Jesus Christ are brought out of the darkness and into the kingdom of God, the kingdom of light. Now, as Christians, we still live in this dark world, but we have a different king. Jesus is our king. Our home is in heaven, and we are Jesus' ambassadors here on earth. We represent him. We're on a mission here on earth. Our mission is to represent Christ to hurting lost people and proclaim the good news of the kingdom to hurting lost people and make disciples, followers, students of Christ. This is why God has us on this corner. This church is 140 years old. That's why this church still exists. That's why we're on this corner. That's why God has changed this town and made it one of the greatest mission fields, I think, in the country. Hurting lost people from all over the world are here all the time, coming all the time. Because God is love, his kingdom operates on love. His kingdom is based on freedom, truth, mercy, righteousness, peace, joy, and unity through diversity. God's kingdom increases and grows stronger as God's people increase and grow stronger. God builds his kingdom by building his people. That's the good news, and he builds us through the word of God. Now, the devil's kingdom of darkness is set up on the foundation and basis of bondage, lies, manipulation, and control. The weaker people are, the stronger his kingdom becomes. His kingdom grows as more people are chained and imprisoned by their sin and by his lies. And Jesus came to set us free from the kingdom of darkness and transfer us into his kingdom, the kingdom of light. And that is available to everyone, everyone. And you access that by faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone. So the good news is you can be free from that dark kingdom. You can come into God's kingdom where life and love reign. You can serve a king who loves you, who forgives you, who frees you, who can heal you and will bless you. Simply repent of your sins and believe in Jesus Christ today. You surrender your life to him. Jesus came to bring help to the helpless, hope to the hopeless, healing to the hurting, and heaven to the hell bound. That's what Jesus came to do. That's what he came to do. I, I want to pray for you. I, some of you here, you're just struggling. You're struggling. Some of you, you're lost. You know what, you're spiritually lost. You might have religion, but you don't have Christ. And, and I want to pray for you. Today's the day of your salvation. I don't want to pressure you. I want you to know that God loves you. He cares about you. That's why Jesus came. And he wants to forgive you and make you family. But you've got to choose to repent of your sins and put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I'm going to pray for that. I'm going to pray for you today. I know there's many others here. I've talked to a few of you already. Man, you're hurting. You're bruised. You're kind of beat up. And my prayer is that you find healing today. Some of you, you need, you need sight. You need to see. You need that wisdom on what that next step is, what God's calling you to do. You've got to make some tough decisions. And, and everything's just cloudy right now. You don't know what to do. And I'm praying that God will give you sight so you can see what you need to see. And then give you courage to do what you need to do. So as I get ready to pray, I'm going to ask you to just bow your heads and close your eyes just so we're not distracted. And before I pray, I'm going to pray first for those who need to be saved. If you're here, and you say, I, I'm, I'm confused. I'm not sure if I'm forgiven. I'm not sure heaven's my home. I, I think I'm spiritually lost. Will you pray for me? Will you just lift your hand up real quick so I can see it and you can stick it back down? Say, pray for me. I don't know. I think I'm spiritually lost and I want to be found. 
Just lift it up and put it back down. You can put it back down. Just lift it up and put it back down real quick. And God knows your heart. He knows your real condition. How about some of you here, you say, man, I'm bruised and I'm beaten up. Many ways to be beaten up and bruised in this world. Pray for me, pastor. Will you lift your hand up real quick and put it down? Okay, you need to lift it up and put it back down. Thank you. Maybe some of you here, you've got some major decisions you need to make. You need to see things clearly and you just can't see. You need God's wisdom and direction. You say, pastor, pray for me for that. I need, I need, I need God's perspective on this. Raise your hand, put it down real quick. Okay. There, Father, you know the needs of your people here. You know who's here. So, Father, first, I pray for those who know that they're spiritually lost. They don't have that peace knowing their sins are forgiven, that heaven's their home, that they're part of your family. But today's their day. So today, Father, I pray you listen to their heart as they tell you, Father God, I'm a sinner just like your word says. Forgive me. And I believe Jesus Christ is truly the Son of God, the Messiah who died on the cross, paid the price for my sins. I believe he rose from the dead. And today, the best way I can, the best way I know how, I want to put my faith and trust in him as the leader of my life, the forgiver of my sins, my Lord and Savior. Save me. Save me. And then, Father, help me follow Jesus the rest of my life. Then, Father, I know you heard those prayers. Answer those prayers. Give those people peace knowing you heard it and you answered it. And, Father, there's others that just need your wisdom. They need to make a major decision. So, Father, I, make, I pray you make it very clear to them because they want to make the right decision with their family, with their business, with their personal life, with school, with a relationship. So, Father, help them to see what they need to see. Give them a peace about what they should do. Confirm that in their life. And, Father, there's many who are just beaten and bruised and battered, trying to do the right thing, trying to live according to your word. They get rejected, made fun of, pushed aside, persecuted. Father, there's marriages that are hurting, relationships with children that are hurting. There's prodigals that are where they should not be, doing what they should not be doing. And so, Father, first, I pray you just bring peace to us, knowing that you're our good shepherd. You're with us. You understand. And you're with us to the very end. So help us to hold on tight. Give us a peace. Know you're going to be with us through it all. And so, Father, we pray for healing. We pray for direction. We pray for wisdom. We pray for people to get saved. This is your time. This is your invitation. You do what you need to do. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Will you stand with me as we continue to worship? Worship by singing, by listening, thinking about what God's telling us to do. The altar's open for prayer. You want to come pray, you feel free to do that. Pray for us, pray for others, pray for yourself. If you need prayer, we'd love to pray for you too. You can come. If you're not sure heaven's your home, please come talk to us. Step out. We're not going to embarrass you. We want to pray with you. We want to join the church. We need more workers. You need baptism. We're doing that the first Sunday of each month. So it's coming up soon. You come. This is God's invitation.